The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Pernelli. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson. Danny Cannell in transit. Uh, If he's got uh, any strong takes or opinions, we'll be sure to pass them along live. Speaking of live, we've got a great audience that's tuning in to watch this Monday show live on YouTube, youtube.com slash cover three. I see we do have viewers in the room. I see we do have comments. Uh, so unlike all the other social media platforms that are tanking right now, uh, we are rocking and rolling here on the cover three YouTube page. Uh, if you are listening to this on the audio form, those of you who've been with us for a long time, we thank you as well. A lot to get to today. Of course, every Monday show, we like to have a pun further review. When we're getting with you for the instant reaction show and it's game still going on, we still haven't gotten a chance to get full rewatch or dive into all the box scores. With the time between Saturday night and Monday, we like to make sure that we don't miss anything, that nothing slips through the cracks. And certainly your comments help us do that. Uh, throughout Sunday. So upon further review, I want to look at some coaches that are under a lot of pressure here in the month of October. Uh, But first of all, just uh, open it up. Gentlemen, like Tom Fernelli, how are we feeling? Your birthday was yesterday. You know, Chicago Bears won. Napoli won. Was it was it a good day in uh, the Fernelli household? Yeah, it was a very good day. You know, like like you said, the Bears won. They have a franchise quarterback. The rest of the league is screwed because Justin Fields is here now, and they're actually letting him throw deep. Napoli has never lost a game this season. Will never lose a game. And you know, just yeah, good day. But Elliot, how how'd the weekend treat you? Weekend was great, man. Uh, had a, had a good brisket. Uh, good good gambling weekend. Sunday live show was fun with everybody hanging out and. Uh, yeah, it was it was good, man. Uh, my my team had already wrapped up their their playoff destiny, uh, much like Tom's had. So it was a nice, easy breezy uh, Sunday. But did did get to enjoy some nice baseball uh, on Sunday. And uh, I don't know, like I, I really love college football, but baseball is cool because it doesn't feel like work. You know what I mean? Right. When I'm yes. watching it, I, I think that it's important to maintain a fan experience in our job. Yeah. Exactly. Like I am not rational about the race. We are going to kill everybody in the playoffs. <laughs> no, nah, it's, it's not true, actually. Yeah, I think it's swept is- by the White Sox and the ALCS. Oh. I hate to break it to you, but you know, at least you've gotten that far. It's really a big accomplishment for a tiny little small market team like you guys. You should be very proud of yourselves. Congratulations. Are you guys gonna beat the Astros? Hell yeah. The Astros have never won a game against the White Sox in the playoffs. You could look it up. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Two thousand five. They own four. Happened. Yep. Own four. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, so I will be excited just sort of bouncing between y'all. I'm glad that your teams are. Uh, How are the Durham teams. Bulls doing, Chip? <laughs> this was not one of our many years where we do compete for the uh, the league title, uh, but still the the franchise is doing all right. Of course, the Rays um, AAA team. So do get to see some Tampa players come through there. Uh, All right, let's begin with a little bit of rankings talk. It was a game that I introduced a few weeks ago. I wasn't sure how it would go, but what I found is it's a good way for us to at least dissect uh, some teams of which there are split opinions. Now, for our opinions, we are going to use the opinion polls, the AP and the coaches poll, uh, teams that have some differences 
two of these teams, it's a three-spot difference. One of them's just two, and they're interesting. But I wanted to begin with the Kentucky Wildcats. This is the one of just two. So the Kentucky Wildcats right now are at number 16 in the AP Top 25. They are at number 14 in the coaches poll. I'm going to add a door number three that's not usually part of this game because it blew my mind. In the CBS Sports 130, Kentucky is number 10. So as we're looking at 16, 14, and 10, we've got a wide range in terms of where Kentucky stacks up against the best 15 or so teams in the entire country. But again, we'll keep the game together. Are, are you more uh, AP or coaches poll? Are you lower AP or higher coaches poll on Kentucky compared to where the general consensus is on the Wildcats following a massive win? I am more AP because I, I tend to be more power rating uh, based. I will acknowledge, though, if you look at just the wins, right? Kentucky has three power five wins. They went on the road and beat the South Carolina team, which I don't think is going to make a bowl, but is probably not the worst team in the SEC because Vanderbilt exists, obviously. Um, you know, they, they they beat Missouri when I think Missouri was a little bit healthier than they are now. Uh, and then they obviously beat Florida. Now, did they deserve to beat Florida? Yeah, I don't know. Florida kind of committed 15 penalties and had a, a, a blocked or a blocked field goal for a touchdown. Florida kind of outplayed them in that game on a down to down base, but they were sloppy. Uh, however, if you look at like in power ratings, I don't even have Kentucky as a top 20 team. So, uh, you know, that to me makes me lean a little more AP, but I can't deny what they've done so far as getting the wins. And, and I understand where the coaches are putting them. Yeah, I'm higher than both the actual polls, but it's not based on where I think Kentucky's going to stay all season. It's just, it was one of those things, like I was filling out my ballot the other night and I had Georgia one, Alabama two, then I got Penn State, Oklahoma, Cincinnati rounding out the top five. And then I got to that Ohio State area where I have them six and then pretty much seven through like 14. I was just like, you're kind of just juggling. It's like you're comparing everybody. It's like everybody is good at something and everybody has a flaw somewhere. But I ended up putting Kentucky, I think at ninth. I know it's behind Iowa. I just, it's more resume, kind of like what you're saying. It's like, I don't think Kentucky's a top 10 team in the country. I don't think it'll be a top 10 team as the season goes on, but just it's undefeated. It's got three wins that are better than a lot of wins that other teams currently have. So I've got them there for now. So I, I can't really blame anybody, no matter where they're putting Kentucky, as long as they're ranked somewhere, I think you're okay, even if you've got them at 25. But yeah, I, I, I'm a little higher, but not like super confident about it or anything. Are you, do you endorse the idea that the, I mean, I guess this has been the ongoing debate on this podcast or discussion on this podcast that uh, at this point in the season, the zero in the loss column needs to matter and hold significant weight or at least the loss column in general? Yeah, but I don't mind ranking a one loss team ahead of an undefeated team right now, especially depending on who that loss is to or what that loss was like. So I, I feel like right now a two loss team when we've only played five games at most, as far as most teams are concerned, I, 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 that's a tough stretch for me to put you in the top 25 when there are still so many undefeated and one loss teams left. But it's just, it's like I've got Wake Forest. I think, hold on, let me see. Wake Forest is undefeated. I had them at 14th. Well, BYU, San, Diego yeah. State, San Diego State would be the example that I look at right now where it seems like San Diego State, a team that we have a lot of affection for because, frankly, they play in the Mountain West. They're on CBS Sports Network a lot. They're good for unders. It's a, it's a team that, a program that we've enjoyed watching and uh, making picks on their games. But that, them being number 25 in the AP poll and the second team others in others receiving vote, essentially number 27 in the coaches poll, feels like San Diego State's rise is just simply having a zero in the loss column. Mm -hmm. Am I being unfair to the Aztecs there? No, I definitely no. think that was. Uh, I'm at the end of my ballot. I need a team to put on here. Oh, look, they're five and zero. Like scan all of the standings and see who's got a zero in the loss column, and uh, let's tackle them. Mm -hmm. And you know, Chip, they they could get to six and zero, right? Um, so they're they're going to keep going up. They they get uh, New Mexico this weekend, big time favorite there. Uh, San Jose State, they are on the road, but who knows with the San Jose State quarterback situation um, after that at Air Force. I mean, I, I think San I think San Diego State's a Good team. I don't know that they're like an amazing team. I think they're what I don't know, top forty-five, top fifty. Yeah. Well, with ratings wise, yeah, within I, its own league, you would give it a shot to win yeah. you individually each of the games against the best teams in the Mountain West. And no order: uh, Fresno State, Boise State, Nevada, 
I don't know if, let me know if I'm missing one, but I could see San Diego State individually winning either one of those games. It's winning all three and defeating everybody else in the league where I'm not, I probably stopped short of feeling like San Diego State's the top dog in the Mountain West. Yeah, I, I feel like, I mean, the Mountain West is kind of, there's not a great team in the conference, but it's looks like it's going to be kind of fun just to follow the race in that conference for the rest of the season. Because if you look at the Mountain Division, there's already, there's no, you know, Wyoming and Colorado State haven't played a conference game, but everybody who has already has a loss. If you look in the West Division, Nevada's 1-0 and San Jose State's 1-0, but San Diego State has played. I just feel like it's going to be some fun races where on every single week, everybody in that conference is capable of beating somebody else. Fun stuff. Uh, we will, of course, be locked into it. All right, our next team in AP versus coaches is the Arkansas Razorbacks. The Razorbacks check in just at number 13 in the AP poll. That is down five spots from where they were a week ago following the 37 to nothing loss to Georgia. Arkansas in the coaches poll is at 16. They start, to be fair, they both started far apart and they each dropped five spots. So uh, as we look at AP versus coaches and where Arkansas sits after everything that was revealed in that game to the Bulldogs, maybe your takeaways are more about Georgia. But how do you wrestle with where Arkansas is? Uh, again, the AP a little bit higher. Uh, the coaches pulled three spots lower on the Razorbacks. I'm pretty much right in the middle. Okay. <laughs> I just, I, I think that you have to, I said last week, no matter what happens in this game, if Arkansas loses, it's really not going to change my opinion of what Arkansas is. And my opinion of Arkansas hasn't changed, but I think this is just one of those scenarios where it's like when you get shut out like that, you, they're going to punish you. And I think that that's sensible and see them. They dropped five spots in both. And I think that I think Arkansas is better than a few teams that drank behind, but I don't think it's so much definitively better that I can really feel upset about where they, they are in the polls and where they are in people's ballots. Uh, so I'm going to actually go with the AP here. Uh, I've not been a huge Arkansas lover this year, but I feel like this drop is penalizing them for playing Georgia. Right. And they're, they're, they're one of only what two teams, from the West that, that will play UGA this year. And I think that's kind of unfair to, to knock them that, that badly. I think Georgia will do that to quite a few teams and uh, almost regardless of how good you are. Uh, what we saw is that Arkansas does not have a passing game competent enough to, uh, to punish Georgia for wanting to play the run like it did, which I think we kind of knew going in. Um, and ultimately, look at Arkansas's resume at this point. Uh, they beat a Rice team that continues to look better. Uh, they beat Georgia Southern crushed them, and Georgia Southern went on to crush Arkansas State last weekend. Uh, they beat the crap out of Texas, and Texas just went you know, and got a nice win over, over TCU. Uh, so I think for the most part, their their resume does look better. Now, uh, the A&M game, obviously, um, A&M doesn't look as good because they lost Mississippi State. But I, like, I think 13 is very fair. We'll see if they can continue to win. They're a dog this weekend at Ole Miss. I, I just... Um... Notice this little wrinkle. So this is an expansion on the Arkansas discussion, but where do you have them in relation to Ole Miss? And I say this with the AP having Ole Miss four spots behind Arkansas. So higher on Arkansas and bigger gap while the coaches have Ole Miss one spot behind Arkansas. Ole Miss at number 17 in the coaches poll, 17 in the AP. I They didn't flag my search for the teams that are different, but now I'm realizing this. Do you think that that gap uh, where the AP have Notre Dame, Coastal Carolina, and Kentucky between those two, uh, wh how do you see – it doesn't even need to be the number of teams, honestly, like more interested in the discussion. How far do you see Arkansas and Ole Miss from each other? I I have Ole Miss uh, better than Arkansas uh, by a couple points on a neutral field. Obviously, if that ticks uh, seven – I think it hit seven this morning, but I actually wasn't at my computer uh, for it. I, I would probably go ahead and bet Arkansas if I could get that full seven. Obviously, the game is in Oxford. I know you didn't really ask a betting question there, but like just in, in, in relation to it, I think that on a neutral site, I mean, Old Miss minus two, minus three, probably uh, is is fair. I, I, I trust their quarterback play more, uh, and that's kind of the deciding factor for me. Um, I think both those teams are better than Kentucky is. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree with that last part, especially. And I also think that right now, Ole Miss might be two points better on a neutral field as far as a gambling perspective, but Arkansas is the second best team in the, <laughs> in SEC, the SEC West. West. So if Arkansas <laughs> is catching two points, take Arkansas. Silly me to ask Tom Fernelli what I think about <laughs> the order of 
Ole Miss and Arkansas. Come on. Uh, all right. One last one for uh, AP versus coaches. It's the Arizona State Sun Devils. Uh, Sun Devils got it done on Saturday against UCLA. And now this 4 and one profile uh, looks very different. They're number 22 in the AP poll. They are number 25 in the coaches poll. Three spots between them. Uh, NC State, SMU, Texas. Those are, those are some of the teams that are also in that range. So for Arizona State, Again, 22 AP, 25 coaches, a 4-1 and one resume where that one loss is now a BYU team that continues to be undefeated, and uh, and BYU continues to rise in the rankings. Which side are you on with the Sun Devils? Can I fill in for Danny since he's currently on a plane? To, sure. Say what Danny would be saying right now. This is just SEC media narrative bias right here. Why? Arizona State should be higher. Why is it that a Kentucky team that nobody deemed was very good last week and then really didn't play all that well but beat Florida, why do they get to enter the polls and jump straight up to 16 and 14? Meanwhile, Arizona State, yeah, it has a loss, but it just beat a UCLA team that was, you know, ranked 20th. It beat them soundly. It wasn't fluky. They just whipped their butt on the road. Yet they only start at 22 and 25. If Arizona State had an SEC logo on its jersey, they'd be at 15. That's what Danny would say. And I don't entirely disagree. I disagree. I agree with Danny. Yeah. yeah. I think both both the polls are too low on Arizona State for what they've shown so far. So BYU has been much better than I thought. And, and I do think Arizona State goes and deserves credit for basically playing them largely to a coin flip in that game. I, I think BYU's postgame expectancy was 58. So you know, not like not like they got dominated on the road. Um, and that was back when Boise had uh, – or when BYU actually had some quarterbacks uh, in, in the game, unlike at the end of last week where their top two guys are out. They uh, they really handled UCLA quite well. Um, who else they beaten? Okay, well, okay. So SUU, I think that's what, Southern Utah. Yes. UNLV, uh, which at that point was not very good. And then Colorado, uh, which still is looking for an offense. Uh, but like a, a, a very well-played game, close game at BYU, and then – a defining win or like like a, a clear victory on the road at UCLA. I think they're top 20 level right now. They're not perfect, but they're playing better than I thought they'd be. And I think that was a devastating win for your UCLA ticket. Uh, I think yeah. so too. Although, do you really trust no. Arizona State not to slip no. up? <laughs> no. <laughs> but I don't trust UCLA to run the table. Yeah. I um I really agree with Tom S. Danny. A hundred percent. The other thing that they the voters did is they penalized, they penalized uh UCLA. UCLA only showed up in the number 25 spot on one ballot of the 62 AP ballots after that loss. Just threw UCLA out of here. Got them right out of the paint. That's still a good football team. If if you're in the Pac-12 and you lose, you're done. The problem is, think about the other UCLA data points this year. LSU continues to lose, right? And also, they lost to Fresno at home and... uh, and, and then Fresno, Fresno goes and loses on the island. Yeah. I'm trying to think who else who else UCLA beat. But uh UCLA did beat Stanford. Stanford beat Oregon. So I, I guess that data point looks better. I I still believe it's a good team. But I, I think so too. Yeah. I do. We got a lot of movement, a lot of shaking out. Okay. Upon further review, we spend a lot of effort to give you our instant reactions as games are still going on. So as we finally get time to round out our notebook to update uh, all of our spreadsheets and dig into the box scores and and read the quotes, we come out with a lot more of a well-rounded idea of what had happened in the week prior. So for week five, Final chance to put our stamp on it. Uh, what are some of your thoughts and observations, either that you want to expand on from Saturday night or something else that you picked up along the way? Something that I've picked up along the way when I was just looking at numbers and getting ready for next week. Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian spent a lot of time together as coaches. Back Going all the way back to USC, now they are both, you know, Lane was the offensive coordinator at Alabama. He was replaced by Sark. Lane left to take the Ole Miss job. Sark left to take the Texas job. And if you look at a lot of the underlying numbers, while they don't entirely look the same on the field and how they're going about things, Ole Miss and Texas are the same damn team. <laughs> like I, I tweeted, if you go five by Twitter, I tweeted a couple of graphs today. That was I was 
I, I tweeted them with the intent of showing just how good Georgia is compared to the rest of the AP top 25. But what I noticed when I was looking at all this stuff is that like Texas and Ole Miss and like every single category are pretty much right next to each other or very close and similar. So it's like they're they're to me, they're now the same team. And I hadn't dawned on me until now. And it's like, oh, wow, no, th- that makes a lot of sense. Does Texas, does that mean that Texas's defense is lower than what your expectation yes. would be and that or and Ole Miss's defense is maybe a little bit better than your expectation and that's no. how they met each other? Okay. No, Texas's defense is basically Ole Miss defense and if Texas was in the SEC, it would be ranked in the top 15 right now. Oh, Danny's back. Wow. Oh, no. <laughs> Spooky season here in October and Danny's essence is taking over Tom here in the middle of the Cover 3 podcast. Uh, I like that a lot. Uh, Bud, what are, what are what's a what's a thought or a takeaway that's been lingering over the last couple of days? I I want to stay in the Big Twelve. Um, I gave a an answer. I think it was on like the Bud Lunchtime Hangout uh, mailbag about Neil Brown, and and or maybe it was a maybe it was a Wednesday show we did. And I basically said I thought Neil Brown was doing a nice job there. You got to give him some time at West Virginia. Guys, man, that offense is bad. Like mm-hmm. Texas Tech had a bunch of guys out with COVID. You you, you can't lose that game. Um, there's now a, a, like a real chance West Virginia is going to miss a bowl game, uh, which is not something I really thought was going to happen at the be- beginning of this year. Like you, you can't lose that Texas Tech game. Uh, the other game I, I want to go back and, and focus on more because we really didn't talk about it much on this on the uh, the Saturday night show, and we got some grief for it. But the, the Oklahoma State fans out there, I, I think they're right. Um, Bill Connolly has their win expectancy post game at eighty percent. I know uh, CFB data has it at what ninety nine percent, but in either way, that, that's a that's a pretty convincing win over that Bader team, which was previously undefeated. Uh, Oklahoma State's defense continues to be awesome. Uh, I mean, they limited Baylor to a twenty nine percent success rate. Tom, that is not really going to get things done. No. Uh, most most likely. Now Baylor hit some explosive plays. Baylor did get a couple turnovers, and even when they got those turnovers. I thought Jim Knowles' defense did a great job of holding them to field goals or turning them over as well. Um, so Oklahoma State, nice job. Now, they do need the offense to pick it up just just a little bit, right? Yeah. I mean, they they scored they're, they're 24. Big 12 Iowa. They are Big 12 Iowa, yeah. Um, that is that is correct. Although I thought Baylor might have been Big 12 Iowa uh, for like five games. I just The, the data set was small. Um, I do think there's some chance, by the way, that Oklahoma State's offense improves because they have a lot of guys out with injury that that could theoretically come back. And if this defense can can play anywhere close to how, how well it's playing right now, and if Oklahoma State can get those guys back and score points, although I don't really have any confidence in Spencer Sanders, as I, I think is what Chip was nodding about there. Like I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to buy. I'm not going to buy Spencer Sanders. But I will buy that. Like getting your starting receivers back could help you be slightly less terrible on offense. I mean they. They could make it to the Big Twelve title game. In theory, I, in theory, and it's but I I'm not going to wait for Oklahoma State's offense to take off and be much more than a nice complement to its stronger set. That is the number twelve team in the country right now at the Oklahoma State Cowboys in the eyes of the AP. Uh, glad you mentioned that. I wanted to have one of my upon further reviews. I didn't get a chance to get much of Oklahoma Kansas State, but and I think. Tom, you did mention this, uh, either Tom or Bud mentioned this on the show, but like Spencer Rattler and Oklahoma's offense might be okay. Uh, it was a very dink and dunk kind of performance against Kansas State. And then going back and looking at it, it's that's what Kansas State's defense decided that they would give. And for Spencer Rattler to lead, the, the thing to me it was he led about four or five like decently long drives where the offense was at least in rhythm and he wasn't hitting the big explosive plays, but he was taking care of the ball and he was being accurate with the short to intermediate stuff. They were still running the ball with Kennedy Brooks. And so he might not be hitting the explosive plays down the field, but to totally sell all Spencer Rattler stock. And of course I I mentioned this as we have Oklahoma, Texas coming up as one of the biggest games in a very, very big weekend uh, coming up in week six, but to, for me to just go into that matchup, especially against Texas's defense, as Tom mentioned, I think that Spencer Rattler is going to be some sort of negative factor on this Oklahoma offense or a reason why there's some real limitations. 
that maybe that might be too harsh on Rattler, who I thought played a pretty good game against a very solid Kansas State defense. Can I go back and uh, and dial back my Oklahoma State love just slightly? No. It's on the record right. forever. Okay. All right. <laughs> this is a thing that, like, obviously you're going to use your power rating models to, to, to handicap games. But if you look at some trends about, like, who they've played so far, I do think it's important to point out with this defense. I think this is a really good defense. I, I really think it is. I think they're well coached. I think they have some really nice players on defense. However, Missouri State, okay, Tulsa, which is not a good offense for sure, uh, at Boise, at the time, we actually, I think, thought Boise would score some points and would be a good offense. However, in recent weeks, it definitely looks like there's something wrong with the Boise offense. Uh, and then Kansas State, without Skyler Thompson, and also in that game, Will Howard got hurt. So at times, Kansas State was down to its third-string quarterback. And then Baylor, which last week my quip about Baylor, which got all the fans on Twitter riled up, was, all right, let's, let's have more than 300 yards of offense before we start taking y'all seriously. And Baylor, again, couldn't get to 300 yards of offense. So... I do, this defense is making bad offenses look bad, which is what a good defense does. We don't, we haven't really seen it play against anything that I would qualify as like a good or better offense. Is if that makes sense? I guess I don't know. Is that fair? No, hundred percent. I'm I'm extending more confidence than the quality of competition demands because that seems to be the way that this group is, and a little bit of a lingering. You know, some a lot of the same players back. You know, a lot of yeah. the same identity of what made Oklahoma State a pretty good team last year seems to still be in place. And so I'm expecting that. Like, I think Oklahoma State is going to go nine and three. Is that going to be good enough to make the Big Twelve title game? As as you suggested, probably not. But I I think that the defense is good enough that being Big Twelve Iowa can get you to uh to nine and three. The problem with Chip, I think if you go nine and three, the answer is definitely not because so far that would mean all three losses are in Big Twelve conference. Play. Yeah, yeah. Uh, six and three is not going to do it. You got to right. be seven and two, like probably eight and one if you assume, depending on where you think Oklahoma is going to be at. Um, hey, just right off the hip, you think Oklahoma loses to Texas? No, I think it could, but it probably won't. Yeah. Well, should Texas have beaten TCU? <laughs> I'm going to say yes because there's so many pl- times in the Texas TCU game where I said that's the reason they're going to lose, right? Like there were just so many missed opportunities along the way, uh, times where you had to settle for a field goal, and I'd be like, uh-oh, that's you're going to end up, going to end up really uh, being disappointed. You didn't get six points right there, and yet they still won. So now I think they were a deserving winner because TCU is equally at fault for losing. Okay. What do you think? You asked. I uh, I think that, that that game was was pretty coin flippy and it, it like like man TCU handed them some ridiculously good field position right with, with, with like fumbling punts and things and and I should I trust the Texas passing game maybe I should I I, I really trust Robinson the, the the running back I just thought they would hit more explosive plays against TCU than they did right TCU has been very leaky with explosive plays and and I. I thought Texas would be able to exploit that better. And this is a, it's a really nice Texas offense. I don't want to take anything away from them. But like they, I thought if Texas offense is really that good, they'd be dropping like 45. Because mm. Cal threw on these guys. Yeah. Right? Texas Tech, you know, I mean, yeah. We'll see. I mean, to me, to me the Texas, Texas's offense is great, and it's because Bijan is awesome. And even before the snap, his presence on the field has caused a lot of problems that are going to allow everything else to run. Uh, fantastic performance for him. All right, I'm going to double back real quick. If, if you have a, another upon further review you want to discuss, um, let's definitely make sure we get to it. But I, do you think that Penn State's defense is currently being overlooked or underrated in the discussion of best defensive units in the country? Or is this just a result of some of the teams that it's played? Because I think that group has kind of been lights out and it's not just putting up a a shutout win on Saturday, but to take a step back and think about um, the way that it has performed in, you know, crunch times, the turnovers that it's able to create the athleticism, the way that that group has been recruited uh, over the last couple cycles, Brent Pry as a really good defensive coach. I think that as we look to Iowa as the gold standard in all of Iowa and Georgia, I guess, as the gold standard of all of college football, I wonder if Penn State is being a little bit, um, a little bit slept on 
as a really, really good defensive team? I think they're good defensively. I don't think they're great. Okay. I, I think that, I mean, if, here you go. If, if they get, if they get pressure on the QB, they're very good when they don't. Uh, and it's, I mean, you could say that about everybody. So it's very much cliche. I just think that when I watch that team play, I think there's some of it has been the opponent for certain. And I don't think, again, I don't think they're bad. I think they're an above average defense. I think that well, probably above average, I'd say they're top, third in the country at worst as far as the defense goes i mean right now in success rate on defense they rank 35th so it's it's a solid unit i think it could be better i think that if they could they could probably afford to get more pressure on the opposing quarterbacks and i think that you know force more turnovers and you know playing michael Penix more often might help with that but I just, yeah, it's good. I don't disagree with you at all. I think they might be slightly underrated, but I, I personally just think that they're good. They're not great. So if uh, if I trust the Penn State's defense as much as some of the some of like the advanced metrics do, I would be betting the heck out of like Penn State alternate line against Iowa, and, and I'm not. Like I, I grabbed the plus three yesterday. I was happy to take it, um, but I don't know that Penn State's run defense is all that good. So Wisconsin really can't run the ball that well this year compared to prior years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they allowed Auburn to run the ball uh, for you know, pretty effective on them, right? Like I think 0.23 EPA per play rushing, which is you know, is pretty strong. Um, I think Penn State's pass defense on the back end uh, will keep them in almost all games. I actually think that's one reason why they match up fairly well with Ohio State this year because I think Penn State's got enough guys to cover uh, and you can see that in their explosive plays allowed, right? They are not allowing big bombs to people this year for the most part. Although, granted, Wisconsin doesn't bomb it on anybody. Auburn, ditto, uh, for the most part. And then Indiana is a train wreck offensively. So, I again, this is small sample size stuff. I think this is a very good defense. I don't know if it's it, like they're, they're fifth in, in Bill Connolly's SP Plus defense. Do I really trust that? No. I think they're more like a top 15 type defense. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, all right, what else? Uh, upon further review, final notes from our, our week five notebook. My last one, this game was going on as we were recording on Saturday night, so I kind of watched it afterward because I had taken Washington and I lost, and I just wanted to see how things worked out. Oregon State's kind of legit. Like, I don't think that they're winning the North. I still think Oregon's the best team in that division. I don't think they're going to compete for Pac-12 title, but I think that... I, I kind of just assumed, like, okay, good offense, bad defense. The offense is good, clearly. They're sixth nationally in success rate on offense. They're, they're able to move the ball. They've played well against everybody. Defensively, they're better than you think. Like, they're top, you know, top 50-ish in success rate on defense. They got off to a pretty bad start in that game against Purdue. And then they didn't play great, even though they beat USC defensively, that 45-27 to 27 game. But if you look at their games against Washington, you look at Hawaii and Idaho, and then the Purdue game, I get not great, but still good. They've been pretty solid defensively. And again, some of that is probably the teams that they've played for sure. But I just think that they're playing well. And I don't think they're, they're not making a bunch of mistakes. And I think that from what I saw in that Washington game, this is a team that going forward, I don't think it's out of line to say that this might be the second place team in the division by the time the season comes to an end. Um, the two teams that Oregon State has beaten in its last two games have combined for five division titles and two conference championships in the last four years in the Pac-12. Like mm-hmm. if... League titles might mean whatever uh, to you, but in a football facility, when you're trying to build confidence inside that locker room, taking down teams like USC and Washington carries real significance. Um, and those are they've was it they've jumped 46 points in the CBS 46 spots in the CBS Sports 130 over the last two weeks uh, after its wins against USC and Washington. So knocking out nearly a fourth of all FBS as it uh, goes soaring up in this great start for the Beavs. Do you feel like uh, like Jonathan Smith is almost like a Dave Doran type, right? We don't talk about him that much. They play to their system. They recruit to their system. I very much trust him to score points in pretty much every game unless they're like totally overwhelmed physically. Defensively, they'll try to piece it together. Some years they have some dudes. Some years they don't. They'll never have great defensive depth, so they're very much reliant on guys staying healthy on that side of the ball. But like they're usually not terrible. Um, the guy knows what I think. Jonathan Smith's a good coach. Mm-hmm. I agree. 
Yeah, and if you look at the remaining schedule, it's like, who's the great offense that they have left to face? Oh, they got they got Wazoo, Utah. If they play the Ohio State style defense than Oregon, but if not, then no. <laughs> yeah, Wazoo, Utah, Cal, Colorado, Stanford, Arizona State, Oregon. Are I mean, are are we ready to talk about eight win Oregon State? I mean, they've they could. I think if they beat Wazoo next week, they're probably going to get eight wins. Yeah. I don't know if college football is ready for eight-win Oregon State. <laughs> I mean, they could win nine. Yeah. Yeah, they could. Yeah, I was, I was just trying to throw – I was trying to throw – No, I think a, you're right. Eight's eight most likely. Yeah, decent guess at it. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Bud, you, you got anything else before we uh, we hit this break? Um, I Well, just going through some box scores. I, I tell you what, like, Army uh, – totally just didn't show up against ball state and ball state i thought was very much like 2020 covid mirage team where like yeah they, they won the mac last year and uh so far this year hadn't impressed me at all but like they just they shut down army like i understand you know they had a defensive score but still kind of weird uh man i i trying to think of some other stuff it was a windy I, day in muncie which you know really affects the option it team. does it <laughs> does um East Carolina, I I don't know that they're that good. They had four oh, turning up. I okay, they had four turnovers though forced against Tulane. And if we're gonna if we're gonna rag on on, on Indiana yeah. or excuse me on, on, on Iowa, we, we should note like they won that game because of four turnovers. I think, or at least in part. And I'm gonna give a little credit here to Iowa offensively. Do I think Iowa's turnover stuff is sustainable? No, of course not. Will they still be good at turnovers? Yeah, because. They create more turnover opportunities, and they do a decent job of cashing in on them. Are they going to continue to have six interceptions versus two passes defensed? Probably not, unless they're using sticky stuff or something like that. Maybe they, maybe they got it from Garrett Cole. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but uh, sorry, just as a race fan, I, I got it. Yeah. Um, but look, they they legitimately Maryland's defense is not terrible, and Iowa actually for the first time this year looked like it knew what it was doing on offense, which is an improvement, right? In previous games, I'm like, I don't know what the heck they're doing, and they don't seem to know either. I Like, miss me with all this complimentary football nonsense. Like, I get it, the idea, like, okay, let's not play super high risk and turn it over if we have a great defense. But, like, in no way is having less than three yards of play in a game complimenting anything for the defense. It's basically asking the defense to play perfect every yes. single drive. Uh, so if they can just keep improving a little bit, like Iowa uh, – you know, they're going to have a shot. You know what You know what the key is to Iowa's defense that kind of dawned on me? What's that, DK? <laughs> it is that they're not as... No, um, it's... Like, they play a style obviously meant to confuse quarterbacks and pressure them into making mistakes. And when they're playing against bad quarterbacks, they're going to make those mistakes. When they play against elite quarterbacks, they're going to probably get... You know, they're not going to have as much... They're not going to be able to force as many turnovers. How many good quarterbacks are in the Big Ten West? The, that division? That's what I'm saying. There are no big quarterbacks in the Big Ten really this year, especially in the West, and Iowa's defense is having an amazing year, and Iowa's awesome. We should have seen this coming beforehand. Looking at That's what we're going to remind ourselves next offseason. We look up and down the quarterback depth chart of the Big Ten West, and we know how good Iowa's going to be that season. The problem is we lie to ourselves about Tanner Morgan. We lie to ourselves about Adrian Martinez. We lie to ourselves about all kinds of these quarterbacks uh, in college football with the long offseason to imagine this leap or this breakthrough or this renaissance, whatever it may be, for uh, your favorite three-year starter. Um, by the way, I, I texted two alternate plays to the group chat on Saturday morning. I said I was going to take Georgia alternate total under at like plus 235 and Western Michigan minus the 14 and a half at Buffalo uh, my, like plus 260 or whatever. In looking at it, I actually think Western Michigan should have hit and maybe the Georgia one shouldn't have. Um, Western Michigan actually outgained uh, Buffalo by more than 200 yards. They had more than twice as many trips in <laughs> like deep inside Buffalo territory. They just got down there and totally screwed around. And this is kind of like a Buffalo fraudulent alert I want to put out. Like Buffalo, two weeks in a row, they really got lucky to score as many points as they did against Old Dominion. And Buffalo uh, really kind of got lucky to to hang around with with uh, with WMU as much as they did. Like I'm I'm out on this team right now. This is me selling Buffalo. 
<laughs> bye bye Buffalo. Yeah, hey, we just probably lost a whole lot of whole lot of listeners on the live chat. I just spent thirty seconds on Buffalo. So. <laughs> I mean, I was, I could take it deeper in who you got: Western Michigan or Toledo as best team in the MAC. I'm still gonna go Toledo. Thoughts and prayers to Danny, who just tweeted that there's a bumpy ride that you're apologizing for, and they're discontinuing beverage service on the flight. Oh, I hope he. I, I do sincerely hope he lands <laughs> safely. Uh, so we've got some coaches that face very, very important Octobers. And some of them, it is of the hot seat variety. I know fans always love to talk about the hot seat. Some of them, it is uh, maybe a season that is hanging in the brink or in the balance. You might not be fired, but how the next month goes could very well dictate uh, the way that the end of the season goes. So we're going to be looking at coaches under pressure here in October and more notable news and notes from across the country next The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we've got a big October ahead for several coaches. So uh, I asked for some some nominations along the way. Does anybody want to go ahead and get things started? I can can roll this out with the easy. This is going to be LSU basketball coach Johnny Jones version of uh, this segment here as I go. Ed Ogeron. Okay, so LSU head coach Ed Ogeron is three and two right now. And the uh, next little stretch includes at Kentucky, a home game against Florida, at Ole Miss, and then they've got a bye at the end of the month with Alabama coming up on the other side. Uh, this is an incredibly important uh, stretch for Ed Ogeron because this is the easy part of the schedule. Uh, you have <laughs> Alabama, Texas A&M, and Arkansas, along with ULM in your final month of the season, to which I say, if Kentucky, Florida, and Ole Miss are not wins, and if they are not at least indicative of a team that is close to winning, well, then uh, LSU heads into that bye week looking at Alabama um, and looking at its head coach with a, with a very, uh, very interested eyes. So how do you see the next month playing out for Coach O? Exactly like this month played out for him with the team that asked Matt Johnson to do too much, struggles when it gets into the red zone, is not physical in either line of scrimmage, and has a very good pass coverage secondary that doesn't really seem intent on tackling. Uh, I feel like I can just take like the next five minutes off because we already cut this video like three weeks ago and pointed out like if LSU's schedule wasn't so easy to start the year with the exception of UCLA, uh, Orgeron's hot seat would be a lot hotter early in the year. Um, I, I just, they're not a good team right now. I actually don't even have them I have them. I don't have LSU as a top 50 team right now, which is crazy. Like, I'm, I'm sure I'm too low on them. I'm betting against them every single week, basically. Like, I, I bet UCLA. I bet Central Michigan. I bet Auburn. I bet Kentucky yesterday. This beat, is not a good team. Did you bet Mississippi State, too? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's five weeks in a row I'm betting against LSU, and I still don't think the lines are catching up to them. Um, also, betting the teams against they got to Yes. Three-point dogs on the road to Kentucky. That tells you everything you need to know. I mean, here's the the other problem with LSU, is that the couple teams they have coming up can really run the football, right? I mean, Kentucky, Chris Rodriguez could run for 300 on LSU. And Florida is probably just going to go back to to running all that spread option stuff and pounding the ball. uh, And they can run the ball on, on LSU. Ole Miss can probably score some points on this LSU defense. Uh, then they get Alabama. Like, I think 
there is a real shot here. Oh, and then they get Arkansas, and Arkansas will probably do what? Try to pound the ball against them. This is it, it's not likely, but like, would you give me ten to one odds that LSU goes four and eight or worse? With the ULM as the only win. Well, they have three now, but like they, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would take like ten to one on that. Like, I, I, it's, I'm not going to predict it's going to happen, but like, if you gave me like a ten to one shot, I would take that ticket. That team is too talented for me to think that that's going to happen. It could happen, but I think it is more likely that uh, Cocho is not the head coach for the Alabama game. Do they make a bowl? I think that's going to be tough at this point. I mean, I, that's what happens this like this weekend. Yeah, in Lexington is going to be LSU. Are they going to make a bowl? Like Florida and Ole Miss. Those are the games that decide whether or not the Tigers make a bowl, not whether or not they compete for the SEC West or whether they've got a long shot at the SEC championship, whether you are going to a bowl game. Big couple weeks. And you could see them losing all three games. They're going to be underdogs in all three games. If they go 0-3 and, and this team is 3-5 and five heading into the bye week, that could be it. I mean, yeah, because I'm with you. I, I think Kentucky is better than LSU right now. I think that in results and I think that in a power rating aspect but I also think that, that game's kind of a coin flip still either way sure. and I do worry that Kentucky coming off its first home win against Florida in like 30 years they're very ripe for a possible letdown this week so I wouldn't be shocked if LSU goes out and wins to get wins this week and it kind of cools things down but then right away once they come back against that stretch of Florida Ole Miss Alabama Arkansas yeah I I wouldn't be shocked at this point if, if Ed's gone before that Alabama game. So on a pure power rating standpoint, I actually don't have Kentucky as a strong play this week. For me, it was like power ratings say kind of play this, and then I thought about the matchup, and I was like, wait a second. What does Kentucky still do well? They still run mm-hmm. the football really damn well. What does LSU have no interest in doing? Stopping the run. This is what I said all offseason, too, and I, I, I got ripped on the LSU board Constantly, like, no, our, our, our issues is the pass defense. Did you see the Mississippi State game? I was like, yeah, but did you see the, the next nine games? Y'all don't stop the run worth a damn. And that, like, I think their pass defense is a lot better this year. Their run defense is still bad. So, like, that's – LSU is the unfortunate circumstance here of having some teams that can really run the football coming up on their schedule. Like, Florida's run game, much better than its pass game. Bama's run – okay, not Bama. Bama could do everything. Uh, Arkansas's <laughs> run game, you know, much better than its pass game. All right, coaches under pressure. Uh, I've got a few more on here. Is there anyone that uh, y'all want to make sure we get to or any, anyone that you want to throw out? I think Orgeron is the most obvious. I, I think the, I have a couple group of five guys, I think. Ooh. That are, I think Seth Luttrell needs yeah. wins badly at North Texas. I think Philip Montgomery needs a few wins badly at Tulsa. And I also think that oddly enough, the fact that Houston right now is like, what, four and one? Might not be great news for Dana. <laughs> because the team's not good enough for this team to finish like what and they're yeah, playing defense. They are like, but I don't think they're that great of a team. But I think that this hot start is going to raise expectations maybe to a you know, like because let's let's look at who they've played. They lost to Texas Tech 38 to 21 after jumping out to the lead in that game. Just beating Rice, Grambling, Navy, and Tulsa. Close not call against exactly. Navy, too. Yeah, so I just worry that as they get to the end of the schedule, like they've got Tulane up next, but then they've got ECU, SMU. They've still got to play Memphis. I just feel like it's going to raise expectations to where the this they could finish like eight and four, and it'll be seen as a disappointment now. So I worry about him in that spot. And another coach that I think it's just kind of a situation like with stuff off the field too. You can't have the kind of crap going on, like the distractions off the field that Nick Rolovich is having unless you're winning games. So I feel like Wazoo probably needs to start winning some more games. Um, he, they're not in action this week, but Manny Diaz at Miami. Uh, we mentioned in the reaction show our um, – taking notes and reading the tea leaves of the youth movement that we've seen for the hurricanes right now. But I still believe that this is a massive month because when they come back from the bye week they are going to be at North Carolina, then they will host NC state. Then they play at Pitt. It is possible that that is loss, loss, loss. And the Miami hurricanes are heading into November 
two and six. However, if you are able to win all three of those games, which is something else that I believe is not, you know, pie in the sky type stuff, then you have uh, flipped around the season in a situation where, uh, yes, you do have the loss to Virginia, but you've got wins against two other competitors in the Coastal. You've suddenly made yourself a candidate to be in November trying to make your way to the ACC championship game. Sure, the, the big picture, anything more than that, is already well out of the question with three losses. But I think that even with the youth movement, and if you buy into what Manny Diaz is probably selling, that this youth movement is going to be getting better every single week, more experienced every single week, and better at the end of the season than they are at the beginning, I kind of feel like Manny Diaz needs to get one minimum and probably two of these next three games uh, in the month of October. I, I think I agree. I'm, I don't have a great feel for what the buyout is there. Um, Miami is in a weird situation because they had everybody coming back. We thought they would be you know, better um, because Derek King came back and, and some other guys came back. Um, and ultimately, they're, they're really not better. Their defense seems to have regressed a little bit, which is not a great yeah. sign because Manny is a defensive guy. Uh, but you know, they recruited fairly well. Um, they have this weird thing going on, too, where I know they've had some injuries. They lost Cantre Smith. They lost a couple offensive linemen in addition, obviously, to Derek King. And they played a whole lot of freshmen in that game, right? Mm -hmm. um, like, that's something that's interesting to me. Um, if I'm Manny Diaz, I'm saying, look, like I had to take a bunch of transfers to, to paper over some of the holes that Mark Rick le left me roster-wise, and – now we're having to play a lot of our freshmen that we just recruited, and that's kind of how I would pitch it. I know they like the quarterback they signed last year. Van Dyke actually played better as that game went on against UVA. Uh, I, I don't know that I would go make a move, right? and that's not me like being some FSU guy saying, "Hey, please keep Manny Diaz." Like, like it, it's, I don't know. Um, people can have bad years. He's he's had some decent years there. What do you think, Tom? Where are you at with Manny Diaz? Not like will he get fired, but I mean, do you think that this Hurricanes team is savable this season? Can no. be saved? Okay. No, I think it's going to be a disappointing season either way. And it's the same time. I just like how many times does Miami need to do the same thing where it's like, well, this didn't work after a few years, fire the coach and find somebody else to come do it. And then a few years from now, fire that coach too. And then let's just keep doing that over and over again until it works. Okay, this is uh, maybe a little less hot seat, but I wanted to turn the attention on the stretch that was ahead uh, for a couple of these coaches. Chip Kelly, right now at three and two on the season. We've got one conference loss to Arizona State. We've got the out-of-conference loss to Fresno State. Uh, the next four opponents at Arizona, at Washington, home against Oregon, and at Utah. Now, Arizona, dub, no matter where you play that game, but that at Washington, home against Oregon, at Utah, in a three-week stretch, could be where UCLA puts it all together for Bud. And, you know, they jump to right the front of the line of the Pac-12 South and pick up a couple key wins, including a division win against Utah. However, and, you know, Washington is a team we can't figure out, that's also three potential losses. And if we are going into November and this UCLA team that was one of the stars of the early season, both in terms of the wins that it had, the ranking increase, and just the quality of team. I mean, it looked like a very good football team. If that very good football team from September is entering November at four and five, I think that's um, a, a pretty, pretty tricky spot with very big differences in terms of Chip Kelly and how we grade this season. Do you think that Chip Kelly and UCLA rebound from Arizona State and win three of that Arizona, Washington, Oregon, and Utah? I think two for sure. I, I'd say they're going to go two and two because three of those four are on the road. So that's, I mean, like I, Arizona, mark it down. That's a win. I'm not even, you know, if they lose that game, they're screwed. But I, I think they're going to win Arizona. I think Washington on the road is winnable. I think Utah on the road is winnable. It's just, both of them being on the road makes it difficult. But that said, I also think Oregon at home is winnable for UCLA. So I don't – they can go 3-1 and one in this stretch, and I think it'd be huge for them if they do, but I think that 2-2 two and two is far and away more likely. I, I think Tom is, is, is probably right here. Um, I would lean 3-1 and one over 1-3 one and three 
in that stretch. Uh, but I, I don't think they're going to make a move on on Chip Kelly. Like, like they they got the nice win over LSU, which which doesn't look quite as you know quite as good so far. The the way they got manhandled by by Arizona State concerns me. But I, I still think I still think UCLA is a decent team. Yeah, I'm hanging on to that too. I just when even if uh, when you run the ball well, when you've got these big tight ends, when you're good at the line of scrimmage, those are just too many uh, too many basic. Um, foundational pieces of a football team that are, are going to make me like you. Uh, so Chip Kelly entered the year on a little bit of a hot seat. Seems like we're in, in the position that things cooled. Another coach who entered the year with a whole lot of pressure and seemed to shake it right away in the very first game of the season. And then you know, the quality of play is, has caused some angst and consternation um, in the weeks since. But Justin Fuente and the Virginia Tech Hokies are a very interesting team to watch over the next month or so. So Justin Fuente, uh, they are three and one. And this weekend is absolutely massive because Notre Dame comes to town, uh, primetime game, Lane Stadium, Inner Sandman, all of that. And then they've got to uh, maintain a high level of competition as Pitt and Kenny Pickett. Well, we are a Kenny Pickett podcast. Uh, Pitt, Virginia Tech in Blacksburg the very following week. Then you've got Syracuse coming to town, and then you finish out the month at Georgia Tech. Now, I wanted to highlight this because having three home games in a row is a reason why a lot of um, a lot of us would say that is perfect for Virginia Tech. That is set up for Virginia Tech. But you know who else is going to think that? A Virginia Tech fan. And if all of a sudden this doesn't set up very well for Virginia Tech, and you come out of that run of three home games and your only win is Syracuse after losing to both Notre Dame and Pitt – and if it comes with um, some of the inconsistent offensive play in, in, that we saw from the non-conference foes for the Hokies that caused some of that grumbling, then you know there's going to be some of that renewed frustration with the Justin Fuente regime. Do you think that with Notre Dame, Pitt, and Syracuse, all three games at home, all in Lane Stadium, all in a row, do you think they get two wins in that stretch? No. Yeah. And it might just be Syracuse. Yeah. I mean, it's not that Notre Dame is not a winnable game because Notre Dame is a very winnable game, as is Pitt. It's just I have a difficult time trusting this Hokies team from week to week to be consistent because it just hasn't been. So it's like I could see them. I like I could. Here's there's I could see them beating Notre Dame this week and then losing to Pitt and Syracuse. Same. I, I mean, I could see this being it won't be 0 and 4. It's, no. it's just like the odds aren't stacking up well, but a one in three in the next four games or a three and one in the next four games, uh, all, all feel like realistic scenarios, though the inconsistencies you mentioned having me betting hard against uh, four now. Mm-hmm. Bud, where are you at with the Hokies? I, I actually think that they have a, a decent shot of finishing seven and five or better. Like I, I, I see four more wins on this schedule. Um, I know it maybe sounds crazy, but like we don't know what Duke's going to be. We don't know if Boston College can maintain this level of play with, with, without Jerkovec. Georgia Tech is not really a trustworthy team after what we saw the past couple weeks. Uh, Syracuse, I, I got to see Syracuse a lot this weekend. They're very one-dimensional. Um, that's a game that I, I do expect Vatek to win. Miami, who knows? Like Miami could rebound strong, or they could just totally quit on the year. I mean, given how how high the expectations were. Um, I actually think, like, if I was to set a new over/under win total for them, I'd, I'd probably set like seven and a half, you know. Um, but I think the how they look down the stretch will matter a whole lot if their record ends up being seven and five or eight and four. If they're if he goes eight and four, he's probably safe, unless it's, he's just like like a totally flukish eight and four. Right. Um, are, do you have their sheet pulled up right now on your computer? Was that what you? Yeah. What do you yeah. have? What was the preseason win total? Six and a half? Uh, yeah, I think it was six and a half or maybe seven. So they're here. still, they're, they're about at expectations right now. Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. Now, the issue I think that Virginia Tech fans would tell you is that uh, the expectations are way too low. And for that program, they need to be higher. Oh, that it's a bad position. The fact that the win total was even down there says that Justin Fuente needs to deliver some exceeding expectations type situation. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. 
Very interesting. Uh, all right. A lot of uh, news breaking out uh, from across the country on a Monday as we get our regular Monday availability. Uh, Alabama running back Jace McClellan out for the rest of the season. And Michael Penix, the Indiana quarterback, out indefinitely. Graham Mertz is questionable for the big game against Illinois. Uh, we've got Texas with some injuries along the offensive line. What stood out as particularly significant to you all in terms of some of the injury updates and uh, you know more personnel-related stuff that we got on Monday. Grayson McCall uh, is going to play, so that, that that's kind great of the, news. Yeah, that's that's very great news. Uh, Coastal Carolina in action this week, and then they've got a week off at some point because a bunch of those Sun Belt teams got to click into a Tuesday Wednesday rotation. Like there, you've got to take a time off to be able to get on the different um, schedule there. But that is fantastic news for the Shants offense. Are we? Sh- oh God, are we sure Jack Tuttle's a downgrade? No. Okay, just want to be sure. Okay, because Tuttle uh, did. Tuttle played three games for Penix last year when Penix got hurt. Right, and he played well. Like he wasn't. The, it was very game managery. Like he was only averaging like five and a half yards per attempt, but he wasn't making the kind of mistakes and turnovers that Indiana has had all season long that have really kind of killed them. And I wonder if Tuttle comes in and takes over the next few weeks and at least just takes care of the ball, the vertical passing game that you have with Penix and just his deep shots, you lose that. But I think Indiana's defense, if they just take care of the ball, I don't think it's that it's a terrible blow for this Hoosiers team. It's interesting because I think if Indiana was going to hit its ceiling, it needed Phoenix to come back and to play well, right? But they mm-hmm. could still salvage a bowl, maybe, uh, if if Tuttle just takes care of the ball. But, like, I mean, their passing game is so bad. Their run game is not any good. Their run defense is trash. So far, their pass defense – like, I mean, if you strip out the uh, – like their preseason projections, this team has been terrible. I mean, like like bottom, like bottom outside the top one hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, obviously, like preseason projections still matter in the projection m- metrics a whole lot, but like, uh, there's not much they do well right now. I guess they they do limit explosive plays fairly well through the air. I would say like nobody really bombs it on them, so that, that keeps them in games. Other than that, this is this is kind of a scary chart to look at. Also, I think. It's not only that Graham Mertz is injured for Wisconsin. They lost Jake Ferguson in that game, too. Ooh. So, I mean, what little offense they had, like Ferguson was not having a very good year, but because defenses have just been completely scheming him out of it. But, like, Chase Wolf came in. He replaced Mertz against Michigan, and obviously that Michigan defense is really good. So I'm not going to, you know, judge him too harshly based on that. But I feel like they're... Right now, I think they were eight-point favorites on the road against Illinois. And I think defensively, this is an Illinois team that in recent weeks, like they were terrible to start the year, but the last few weeks, they've gotten a little better. They're still not great. And I look at that Wisconsin team without its starting quarterback, without its starting tight end, going on the road as an eight-point favorite against a team that's getting better defensively. And also, there's the whole narrative of Brett Bielema going up against Wisconsin. I, I'm just saying, if, if you want to bet the Illini, I don't think it's a terrible week to do it. That is the sound of the choir of children warming up their voices for Thursday afternoon because you had me at your tweet where you said, oh, do you trust Wisconsin on the road by more than a touchdown? Because no, I I don't trust Wisconsin to carry uh, more than a touchdown of points in and out of Champaign and be able to uh, to leave with that kind of win. So I I honestly, my my brain had not connected even the Bielema angle too. We ride with Illinois, we ride with Burt in the Wisconsin revenge game. I'm going to be locking up Illinois plus eight. We're going to fight. Yeah, I'll probably be locking up the under <laughs> gonna, more I'm than anything. Take Wisconsin. Yeah. All right. um, this, this is for, the promo. We're cutting a promo. We're going to cut a promo. Case. Yeah. <laughs> so here's why. And I cannot believe I'm doing this, but I didn't really downgrade Mertz on them a whole lot. It's not like he's been helping them in any way this year. I mean, he's been, he's been pretty bad. Uh, Illinois can't throw the ball worth the damn yeah. so far this year. Like They are literally outside the top 100 in every passing metric that I can find. Well, you know what? They could throw the ball if Brandon Peters actually looked past five yards. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm talking out loud. Go ahead. 
So they run the ball well. Wisconsin does not allow people to run the ball on them at all. They are literally top five in every rushing metric that I can find. Uh, so Illinois is going to have to find some way to throw the ball, mm-hmm. which makes me scared to bet an under in this game because I feel like there's going to be so many second and third and longs that we're going to get some turnovers, short fields, nastiness, clock not, unless unless Burt just decides to you know run into the brick wall a million times, which he might. Um, that we, we have seen that before. Plus, don't you feel like can you can Wisconsin go any lower? Can we buy any lower on Wisconsin? Like, like no. I guess the, the time to bet against Wisconsin was three or four weeks ago, or last week, or the week, any of those weeks. Yeah, it was the last two weeks when we did when we had <laughs> unity on Notre Dame plus six and a half against Wisconsin. We said, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah, we were loading up. We were cashing tickets. Come on. Remind. I, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, I just I I don't see Illinois scoring a whole lot of points in that game, and I also I'm saying now I don't I don't think he's going to start, but we're going to see Art Sitkowski at some point. Swagkowski Heisman campaign reactivated. Let's go. <laughs> Reminder: We will be back on Wednesday. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and then on Thursday we are back live. That is right. YouTube.com/slash Cover Three Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Week Six locks live come and hang out live make sure that you're subscribed to it and hey if you subscribe to us on youtube hit that bell and then you never have to worry about not knowing when we are going live for a live show because you'll just get a little notification so smash that bell uh on the youtube subscription subscribe to us on the audio feed wherever you get your podcast you can follow him on twitter at tom Fernelli. you can follow him at blood elliot three you can follow me at chip underscore patterson gentlemen thank you very much Rest in peace, Facebook and Instagram. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.